My Michelle Live, Sports Time Out. The fans, the field, the faith, the fun. Here's Michelle. Oh, here's Michelle, but here is something so much more. This is going to be a very special edition of our sports timeout. Yeah, we'll talk about, I think there's like football and I don't know, some other sports going on, but come on, what could be bigger and better, guys, then? That's right. We are going to take on the Seattle Sounders who are going to be taking on uh, Columbus. It's going to be a big one. That's what is first on our agenda. Much more we'll be talking about today as we take on, wait for it, sports, 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 sports. All right. Now we got that. Got that out of your system now? Because I'm not sure I do. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, guys. That was an instant classic that we watched. It was so such a good game. It displaced like the NFL. They, they didn't have a game that day because they, it was so cool what took place. I mean, a comeback classic Seattle tale. And Garrick, you know, I'm going to let you weigh in first on this. Oh, my goodness. It's, it's everything that you hope for in a game, except for the, the way we didn't score in the first half. But uh, I think we called it from the beginning in terms of just the fact that we needed to make sure that we didn't overlook uh, or look past Minnesota United because clearly they came out to play. Uh, it, it was it was great. I mean, we had quite a few opportunities, but they got the first goal. They got the second goal. But there was something about the Sounders that you just knew that they were never out of it. Uh, they stayed they remained calm and they continued to to play their game, work their plan, did not um, push too hard. And what I mean push too hard is that there can be a tendency for teams when they're behind to take shots where they wouldn't normally take shots and, okay. and you know, just just take gambles and things like that. And the Sounders didn't. Uh, they worked the ball around. They continued to keep possession and the opportunities came and they took advantage. Even when they were behind, they outplayed the other team, but there were a couple of things. Like there was a goal by Raul Rui Diaz that got called back. That was pretty controversial in my mind. I I know uh, we were texting during the game, and Brent, uh, later in the game, there was maybe a, a a goal kick that should have happened, maybe a, a foul that should have been called uh, in favor of Christian Roldan, I believe it was. And you said, nah, just let it play. But the reason I bring that up is because, you know, if you're if you're not going to call something like that, why call back that goal, fellas? I think the Royal Rui Diaz goal that got called back, Michelle, I've seen that go either way. I've seen that go either way, depending okay. on... Uh, the status of status of the game. Uh, once again, that's the uh, up and down nature of uh, Major League Soccer and professional soccer. Depends up and down. Which, I would call that inconsistencies. Depends, but depends you know, on that's right. depends on which side of the bed the head referee got out of uh, <laughs> that morning. I that morning. I think. I. But let's get that down to the serious business. Sounders won for two reasons: talent and experience, and they outdid. Uh, Minnesota in both those categories uh, proved that they were the best team in Major League Soccer so far this season. Now they're going to get a chance to put it on the line for everything that it counts. And Brent, I would add coaching okay. to that as well. Just Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> go ahead, Brent. Well, you know, coaches' decisions they always get you know, maybe either unduly criticized or unduly praised but this is one of those times where you know you don't really see a coaching decision that pays off so big and so immediately as um what brian schmetzer did you know especially right off the bat with will bruins goal um it was on the field about 30 seconds and he scores to get them back in the game um 
and then the game winner too. So you have two of the three. Can we just say that um, was his first touch? His first touch. Yeah. I went back and watched the game. Actually, I'm true confessions here, guys. That game has been on in my house at least eight times since <laughs> it was broadcast live. But Only I, eight? Yeah. Well, I've been busy. I've been busy. But get this. I, I had to go back and watch and confirm it. That was Will Bruins' first touch of the game. His first touch of the game was a goal. Whoop! Whoop! And I, I, if I recall, somebody um, in this room here uh, questioned whether or not Will was being put in at the right time. Oh, oh, ouch. Yeah, Garrick, you were like, I don't know if well, I would have made that call. Now, this is funny because we're watching the game and you were watching it streaming. So you were about 20 seconds behind. So even as you were texting that, Brett and I are going, whoa, go. <laughs> Well, so what, Garrick? What do you mean? <laughs> I, I, I really like what Jao Paulo um, contributes. And so that's that was a part of my my questioning as well, because he creates a lot of opportunities for us. But but Bruin has been proven, you know, has proven time and time again that he finishes at the right time. And mm. so you can't can't uh, fault the coach for that. But the other side of the coin as well is that uh, Minnesota's coach, I feel like when you're up two nil, um, you need to lock things down a little bit tighter. And granted, he was going against a Sounders team that really has the ability to to unlock what you're trying to lock down. But um, but I think it it looked as though their strategy didn't change significantly, even being up two nil. Yeah, I was and- just going to say that, Garrick. They did not change game plan they did not pull back a little bit on defense especially in their back line i expected them to drop quite a few people into the into the box as we got closer to the fifth to the uh, 15 minute mark when things started to change and i was really surprised by that because if you control the tempo in soccer like any other sport you can dictate the the uh, play and uh, they pretty much did not change strategy from moment one now now the our final two goals did come on set plays as well so so one could argue that you know regardless of how many guys you pack in the box if if there's a set play you know all bets are off in terms of the the typical run of play um box packing that sometimes defensively teams will do so one of the precious moments afterwards was uh someone coming up and congratulating the team and that was pretty cool so this is our our guest today <laughs> ozzy oswaldo yes, awesome so yeah what a class act i mean just a, a great guy yeah you want to give also- him a hug mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the sounders win also points out the significance of a bench Oh my goodness. Hello. You have got to get, you have got to give it to the Sounders bench. Yeah. Because they're the ones that that scored, that that made the difference in the score. This was the key at the beginning of the season. And as the Sounders season started pre COVID, uh, everyone was saying that one of the reasons that Seattle has such a great opportunity to do so well this season is because of the incredible depth. Now we got very thin throughout the middle of the season and, and it showed, but, uh, but coming into the end here, um, we we've got all the depth. And I mean, again, credit the, the coaching staff and the front office for making some good decisions and, uh, bringing players back and, and, uh, yeah. And so now moving forward, we are going to the final. We're going to the MLS Cup two years in a row. I'm hoping we pull this in. We're going to talk a bit about that. And I'm really hoping, um, knock on wood, that we become the first team next year to win the Cup three years in a row. But that's a little ahead of the game. I want to talk about uh, some controversy. Uh Uh-oh, there's already drama on the pitch. The injury list. Um, (laughs) Nagby, uh, two-time 
MLS Cup winner and uh, Portuguese veteran and wingman Santos are not medically cleared to play for the MLS Cup. Now, here comes the controversy. Of course, the fans are feeling it. The Columbus fans are frustrated. They, uh, In some of the comments, one guy was saying, well, without Nagby and Santos, this game should come with an asterisk if the, if the Sounders win. Uh, another person said, uh, let me see, uh, MLS Cup win Winners, uh, where is it? Oh, there it is. Um, without these two, the game should be postponed until they could be medically cleared. You know, that whole, <laughs> oh my goodness. They're... So people are already getting in on it. Rich, go ahead. I say bring it, I say bring it on with one caveat. Since the Sounders are the defending champion, let's move the game to Seattle. <laughs> if you want to get if you want to get down to want to get down to details, why does the defending champion need to go on the road to win another championship? Well, there you go. That's something to think about. You know, maybe if COVID is so prevalent Let's over there, we want week, to stay. Delay it a week and bring it to Seattle. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, yeah, I want to I want to bring this can, though, guys. Two things. Hang on, before you go there, <laughs> I would say that. If the shoe were on the other foot and it was a it was Seattle star players, let's say they wouldn't care and Rosales. I know they wouldn't care, but we would. No, wait a minute. Let me just stop you there. No, no, no. no. I'm stopping you there, guys. I am stopping you there. Do you forget your history? I mean, think about this. We in 2016, roll back time. We had Dempsey, Morris and Alonzo either out at the final or playing injured and oh oh what was that last year what about last year we had we we were playing without chad marshall come on so i get your pain columbus but columbus buttercup suck it up with this stuff we don't we play the final and we you you know as rich said there's an importance of your bench first first of all First of all, we haven't heard any of that kind of talk from uh, Caleb Porter. And there's and then there's a lot of Columbus fans who say that Caleb Porter is a better manager than Brian Schmetzer. So, I, I mean, come on, guys. You play the hand That's that you're dealt. Turn to prove it, huh? <laughs> you play your hand. You play the hand you're dealt at the time we're supposed to play the we're supposed to play the game. I mean, so- I mean, if Columbus is that much better than the Sounders, if that's what Columbus fans believe, they should be able to win at home. Don't give yourself an excuse for a poor performance before. Oh, yeah, there you go. And by the way, uh, better coach or not, uh, I don't necessarily agree with that. And there was an interesting article at MLS you can read right now from Steve Zakani. He's uh, kind of Zakawani. Zakawani. I'm sorry. Why did I say that? I don't know. Steve Zakawani. Um, he was he he had worked with both um, Schmetzer and and uh, Caleb Porter. Um, he he kind of likened him to said that they both had the same kind of uh, drive. It's just that uh, Caleb is a little bit more aggressive <laughs> and, and uh, wears his heart on the sleeve. But they, he he said they're very much similar. If I remember well, the looks, article, Caleb looks like he's going to have a heart attack every five minutes on the sidelines. Steve <laughs> Steve was recruited from England to play at the University of Akron. The head coach at University of Akron was Caleb Porter. Um, Caleb Porter then got recruited because he had such incredible success there at University of Akron, um, including several national championships. Steve was a big part of those. But he also then came, to, if you, if we would all remember, he came to Portland and did not do real well in Portland. And as a professional coach, um, after Steve's injury, as he was trying to recover, um, Caleb actually recruited um, Steve to come and play Steve Zakawani to play right. at Portland. That's Zakawani. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, Steve's injury um, had, had would never, he never fully came back from his injury, but, uh, but Steve does is someone who knows um, both Caleb and Brian quite well. Okay. Uh, I wanted to bring another, uh, because everyone's talking about it. This is a big deal. It's an MLS cup and it's going to be interesting. And there are some Portland fans who are, 
begrudgingly watching yet again the Seattle. Oh, do you feel sorry for the Twigs? I don't. Uh, but uh, no, no. <laughs> but Timber Joe, Timber Joey can stay in his cabin for another year, my. Yeah, he uh, save save the gas. You know, <laughs> I like it. Uh, but there was a really interesting, I thought, funny and well written piece uh, in a in an article that uh, was uh, Portland Timbers fan page. Uh, you know, the Portland Timbers are actually the team we love to hate. I'm going to ask you guys in a minute, is is it okay to have sports hate? But I'll be the first to say, no, I'll be more like the eighth or ninth to say that Portland is a good team and a great rival. I oh, mean, the yeah. biggest rivalry in MLS soccer is the Sounder and the Twigs. But this story was great because it likens the Sounders to the evil empire. I think that is hilarious. So you guys Portland, are going to I am your Portland I am your father. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, this is great. It's why the, the 2020 MLS Cup final series is Star Wars. And they say, help me, Caleb Porter. You're my only hope. This is what I wanted you to hear and comment on. The Seattle Sounders, they say, do that dumb thing where they do miraculously and find a way to win the Western conference again and they say that the timbers in timberland have to endure this cup but seattle is the empire caleb porter and the crew are the rebel alliance and the mls cup 2020 is star wars this is what they say brian smetzer is palpatine and the seattle sounders are the dark side jordan morris plays Anakin Skywalker, young, talented, destined for greatness, but chooses to forsake hope and join the bad guys. Help us, Caleb Porter. You're our only hope. Oh, my gosh. That is so funny. The the problem here is that Portland, the Rebel Alliance, is already out of the game. They're done. They're toasts. So not, not not very effective Rebels. I thought that uh, was no. funny. I think Brian Schmetzer is more of a Yoda character because he is he is very wise <laughs> and he's he's quite soft spoken. And score a goal, we will. Yes, yes. I would say that the it just comes down to this: Portland's not a major league sports city like Seattle is. So I just I just dismiss all that Portland talk. Ouch. Okay, so there's the the question that we might face off with is is space is sports hate okay? We'll just call it spate. Spate. <laughs> spate. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Uh, oh come on, I, I, godly I gentlemen. Admit, let's I, hear it. I, I I freely admit it as a husky fan. The only good cougar is a cougar that's beaten by a husky. Oh, wow. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, oh, oh. oh, come on. Uh, pastor Peng, put on your pastor hat for just a moment. You know, we come before you and with a confession that uh, <laughs> we want to know, is sports hate, spate, an okay thing? We need some intro music for the pastor's corner. <laughs> but, uh, well, uh, is there a here, let's get hanged theme song? Yeah, there we go. So my my perspective is that it it depends, okay? Because oh, I can man. I can I can hate Portland. I can hate the Timbers. I can even hate the Timbers fans. However, <gasps> when it comes to on a personal level. I, I'm never going to hate someone, okay? Never going to hate player, a Timber yeah. player one-on-one so on one in the room with them. Never exactly. going to. And and people do take it to this level. If you've ever been to a game in Portland, man, you can yep. you can get you can get in dangerous, and I'm not kidding, situations. Oh, yeah. uh, and I'm sure well, Portland fans feel the same way coming up here. There's some ugliness. It really I needs live. to be in a place uh, coming from a good place where we are bitter rivals, but like in the United States, I'd like to see we come together for the game and we have mutual yes. human respect. Exactly. Well, and, and I lived in England for four years and played over there as well. And they used to literally shuttle the opposing team's uh, uh, fans in on a bus. They would 
escort them to their section that was segregated by multiple sections so that there was like an insulated um, layer around them so that the other fans could not have access to their fans. <laughs> and so, I mean, literally that's how it was done over there. And part of it is because there's that the depth of community that supports the team. I mean, it's unheard of completely in a country like England that a team would be sold to another city because that <laughs> I'm not fond yeah. of that either. I think that's ridiculous. No, I, Start a new I, team. I, I agree. I agree. But but I, I think the the depth of of hatred and, and I think this is I mean, a micro Michelle Akers, uh, our former national team player amazing lady but one of the things that she used to talk about is the fact that sports is a a microcosm of life yes it is it's an analogy and i believe it and and if you look at the way our culture is today this whole political hatred of the other other person and and i mean to play on off that star wars thing a little bit i mean if you view the opponent as more than the opponent, as in the enemy or even the embodiment of evil, which is what has happened within politics, then then if the other team wins, it's not the other team or the opponent winning, it's actually evil winning. And so then people become justified in their hatred. And so anyway, I'll get off my little- You hit it right on the head, Garrick, that we have- emphasized the most negative parts of our personality and our sports personality. And we just have lost perspective. And I think that's what that really comes down to is the word perspective, because Mm -hmm. you can be the ultimate competitor. Steve Largent was the ultimate competitor, but one of the greatest individuals on and off the, on and off the field. So was Jim Zorn as the first starting quarterback for the Seahawks. I can, name all kinds of people. Tim Tebow was the ultimate competitor as the starting quarterback for the university of Florida. But, and, and if you remember his most famous post-game speech, you will never see another player work as harder as I will in the remaining weeks of the season. That was after a big, huge loss in the sec. And he basically willed that team to uh, greater heights in the coming in those coming weeks. So we've seen, we've seen it. It's all about perspective. All about perspective. And here's something else about perspective, bringing it back as we have talked about our Seattle Sounders uh, and the big MLS cup. Uh, We talked about people going unhinged because of the injuries from Columbus um, and namely uh, Nagby and uh, Santos. But this I just got in. I don't know if you heard this. Of course, uh, 17-year-old Danny uh, Leva, the kid, he's out on the injury report with a quad strain, I believe. But did you hear about Ariaga, who I think has been a pretty key and great player in, in recent matches? He's staying here in Seattle, awaiting the birth of his child. That's that's a big decision. He's missing the big game. And uh, a couple of you guys are, are dads. So would you would you stay home for the birth of your child or would you... And would your wives want you to stay home for the birth of the child or would they? Because I know I'd be just like, are you kidding? Go to the game. But, you know, that's me. I'd want to be giving I, I, birth I, I, on the sidelines. Our, <laughs> I was going to say, I'd our, fly our to son, the stadium. Yeah. <laughs> our son took three days to make himself evident to the rest of the world. So I could have gone and been back in time for all of it. So. No, I, I don't I'd think I, no I, I it would have been it would have been an emotionally emotionally challenging moment but I don't think it would have been a tough decision to stay. If, it, if it had been my first child I probably would have stayed home <laughs> but after you popped no, out a I'm, few I'm it's joking. like oh I got this babe <laughs> there, there you go yeah I'm joking no I think and I think as Rich was saying that that is perspective right I mean, this is a big game. It's a huge game. It is the game of games for American soccer. But this is his family. 
his yeah. his life and and um, that will continue long after a soccer career that is it's, right it's a- i respect that so much i was so blessed by hearing that guys as i said if it were me i'd be like can you just wheel me down i'll give birth on the sideline it'll be great you know whatever <laughs> i'll be reporting i'm here from the sideline go sounders i i totally be but man the the message that he's putting out that his family comes first in my in my opinion, he's already won the cup. That is just and it, awesome. And it doesn't mean that he didn't make a contribution to the championship when the Sounders win it. Absolutely. And right. and and again, to Rich's point, because of our depth and the way that our bench is, I think he can stay home with a little bit more confidence knowing that, I mean, we, we've got amazing players at the back now where earlier on in the season we were quite thin. Yeah, I I just I agree with you there. And he's already made that contribution and even a better contribution because he's bringing it to a deeper level. And I think that's the it factor. Oftentimes it's that deeper level. You can have two teams equally matched, but when someone really wants it, they want it. And that brings me to football. Seahawks. What the heck? Okay, let me let me set the stage. If if I'm do you have a little do you have, do you have a little bleeper there? <laughs> yeah, right. Sorry. <laughs> let me set Is the stage. Yeah. Oh, do we not need yeah. that on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Anything goes, I guess. The Huskies blew it. All right. The Seahawks bit it. And then the Sounders came. And I was a little nervous. I I have to get this confession on the table. I was a little nervous that it would be a Seattle, you know, like 2020. Yeah, 2020 (laughs) weekend. Yeah. But uh, the Sounders redeemed it, and that was great. Uh, But what in the name of all things green and blue did the Seahawks do when they were facing the Giants? What happened? Rich, give us the Rich Report. Well, as far as Shaquille Griffin is concerned, he came out and said we overlooked in an article over the last 24 to 48 hours with ESPN. He came out and said we overlooked the Giants. And Shaquille was honest enough to say that. I give him props for that. But they're forgetting one point. Everybody that puts on an NFL uniform, everybody that puts on a professional sports uniform can play. So mm-hmm. if you decide not Jets, to show amazingly up, enough. yes, <laughs> if you decide not to show up or right. not give your best effort, one of two things can happen. You can embarrass yourself by losing, which the Seahawks did, or somebody is going to get hurt. One of those two things is going to happen. That is so Saturday, well on a put. Saturday or a Sunday. Because you're going to embarrass yourself or you're going to get hurt. Because it looked more like the Giants were were David playing against the Giant Seahawks, who just got brought down. I mean, we were barely lucky enough to score one touchdown. I mean, we're going into the third quarter, and our score is five. I I mean... Uh, I thought the Sounders showed up at <laughs> halftime. <laughs> if I could make a prediction in the past, I don't know. I know, I know you can't do that, but had... <laughs> Had we recovered the blocked punt for a touchdown rather than a safety, I honestly think that would have changed the outcome of the entire game. Good point, Garrick. Because we would have then it would have been ten nothing instead of five nothing, and and I think the Giants may have deflated at that point because it's like, oh my gosh, here we go. We got. I like your analysis, but come on. I I think think that there's more to, there should be more to the Seahawks than that. Well, there should be, absolutely. The Seahawks did not make the simple play. They did not run the football. They did not block better than the Giants. They did not tackle better than the Giants. Those are all fundamental plays. And we can go back to the Sounders game. The Sounders game, the Sounders made all the fundamental plays plays that had to be made at the point in time they had to be made that's what an experienced experienced and talented team does Garrett yeah no I completely agree and and if you look at and to your point Rich too with as far as the NFL uniform the professional uniform that you good you point that in in the past I mean the Sounders game I think I mentioned to one of you that it was kind of like um the Seahawks that we've known in the past, the Sounders game was like the Seahawks who just could come back and pull off this miraculous last minute victory. 
and and you kind of hoped for that the entire Seahawks game, but then you realize the fact that this other team actually has a strong defense and they were able oh. to shut us down. Yeah. And so you can't you can't just go at will. Um, and I want to give them it, kudos. I want to give them kudos. The Seahawks offense were playing to a tight window like they often do, thinking that almost thinking that they were invincible, especially in passing is what I'm referring to. And the Giants were pressure, 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 pressure. I want to give them kudos. But Brent, I'd like for you to weigh in. Well, I think if they did, granted, Shaquille Griffin's a defensive player, but if the Seahawks as as a group overlooked the Giants defense, there's totally no excuse for that because they have improved throughout the season. And that's a, that's a pretty solid young unit. And they, that's the good you know, part of their team. That's yeah. The that's good the good part, part of their team. And this was, they'd also won three games in a row coming into this. So they're also kind of on a roll. So whether or not that was a factor, it's hard to say, but um, you know, the giants took away the deep ball and Russell was off and he was holding the ball way too long. And which when you're playing your, by the end of the game, your fourth string right tackle, who was, you know, I mean, Oh my gosh. Disaster. I mean, you, you gotta give the guy, you you know, I feel bad for the guy because he was thrown into a situation that he really didn't have any chance to succeed, but um, you, as the quarterback has to know, okay, this guy has not played in three seasons. He's been on the practice squad. There's probably going to be issues here. I can't hold on the ball for four or five seconds. So, and some of that goes on, on Schottenheimer, the offensive coordinator too. Okay. We need to quit going for the, you know, looking for the deep ball, get some short crossing routes or whatever. Of course that worked great when the, the ball to Carson that he tipped off his hands and ended up as an interception, but you know, the offense just was out of sync. They didn't seem to take what was there. Um, I'd like to see them running more granted that was compromised by the offensive line. And it sounds like Carson's foot isn't hundred percent yet either. You know, the defense three quarters played pretty well. That third quarter, they just got absolutely steamrolled. And, you know, those two drives were the difference in the game. Yeah. Um, and why all of a sudden they couldn't stop the run. I, I don't know, but you it, made Colt McCoy look like a starting quarterback. In the NFL. <laughs> this is his first yeah. win in six years. I mean, oh, oh, guys. that's I know. You know, that's tough. So, you know, <clears> can we talk about the, the Sounders the again? Coming up. Yeah, really. <laughs> look at the Jets coming up. I mean, they should have had that game against the Raiders last week, and you know they're they're playing. I mean, they're in complete disarray, but they're playing with some pride there. And you know, you are winless and lose a game because your defensive coordinator makes a call on the what should be a prevent defense on a Hail Mary to blitz with what eight guys or something like that. Yes. Which apparently is something like the first time in 15 years, someone has blitzed that many people on that, that play. Yeah. Um, so, you know, don't, I don't know what to expect out of the jets because they're going to be crushed by that loss, mad at their coaches. This is one of those things that can galvanize a team as far as the guys on the field or they could completely go to pieces. So it's, as I said last week, nothing comes easy for the Seahawks. So as much as it'd be nice to win 42 to seven, I'm not expecting that. Brandon Shell comes back on the offensive line at right, at right tackle. That will be a big help. Seahawks must put their foot down from the opening whistle and don't let up and play Seahawks football, run the football, take what's, Take what's there, Russell Wilson. Run around. Go back to being the Russell Wilson that everybody loves. Start and cooking cares again, for, and let's <laughs> let's just turn it up. Don't turn take it. Up. it don't do anything except take prisoners. Turn it up and serve it hot. That's what we're hoping for, at least. I want to talk about some other uh, non-field-related football stories. Did you hear this one? Speaking of sports hate, the quarterback that everyone loves to hate, unless you love him. You love him or you hate him, Tom Brady. His health and wellness company received like almost a million dollars in paycheck protection program funds. And 
here he's gotten a million dollars for his business, even though he signed a two year contract that was fifty million to the bucks. Um, he's made about two hundred sixty million in salary in his twenty plus years with the NFL. That doesn't even include endorsements. And this is while fifty two percent of small businesses that applied for this loan didn't get one small businesses from people who don't get million multi-million dollar salaries and even the Los Angeles Lakers one of the NBA's richest franchise got 4.6 million in federal loans but they returned every last cent when they learned that funds from the program ran out for smaller guys so what's up with Tom Brady he needs that one more million for his business he couldn't have dug deep I mean does does his wife's uh shoe closet you know just drain the funds or what's going on there I think it's a, a systemic problem in the sense that the the United States and the people who run the small business administration and other people that are involved in small businesses really not taking seriously, taking care of small businesses. I don't blame Tom Brady for the problem. I blame the way the program is set up. Really, I kind of do because if I have a business, my employees come first, you know, and if that means I don't take my salary as long as I can pay my bills, you know, I take care of them. I mean, he can dig deep into his own pockets, which is what a lot of the 52% of the people who didn't get a loan will have to do. And I would piggyback on that, Michelle, by saying, in the first place, Tom Brady shouldn't have qualified for that program. That would be my th- that would be my thing because to me, his company with the financial backing that he can generate doesn't qualify as a small business. Okay. When I think of small businesses, because we know from statistics, seventy five percent of jobs in the United States are generated by small businesses. Tom Brady is not the first person that I think of when I think of small business. Well, I'm guessing we're referring to, it, it was probably a PPP loan, which yes. is not exclusively for small businesses. Now, mm. I, I it's don't a paycheck keep, protection program. Right, right. So larger companies could be eligible for that as well. But it was very, very difficult for a lot of businesses to be able to get that and to navigate the system. Mm. I watched I watched a YouTube video last night about how uh, the governor of... Uh, California, Gavin Newsom, has multiple businesses that that also received huge money. Um, one of them being a winery with 16 employees got over $900,000. Um, and so th- you, you know that there is problems. And, and but I'm kind of with Rich in in terms of saying, there's a problem with the system. And if you're a business that applies and receives the funds. Now, Granted, I think the Lakers did the right thing in terms of giving the money back, but I most definitely. Yeah. And and so I, I think that that I don't know, the, because the, I wouldn't consider the Los Angeles Lakers to be a small, a small business, business. Right. especially when the NBA last year, if I have my figures correct from my sports encyclopedia brain, I believe last year, if I go back and look at the numbers, the. NBA made six point eight billion dollars last year. Maybe maybe they could have uh, spotted the the Lakers then a uh, you know thousand spot or something. Then I don't know. I think, uh, yeah, <laughs> a million, a million or covered. two. Brent, I think yeah. one of the things I think one of the things you run into with some of these programs too is <clears throat> legally in a lot of cases the individual is separate from the entities that puts the company. This so, is true, but with public no, like, relations, I, no, he's not. I mean, well, we're talking no, about it that. now. It, does, it just, I mean, I'm a total cynic when it comes to these things. So I, I, I understand structurally how that could happen where his business yes. may have qualified yeah. for the loan, even though he personally is sitting on all this money that very well he could have funneled into that business without having to take on this loan that other people without owners with deep pockets could have benefited from. 
Yeah, and that's I think that's to the bigger point is once again when we talk about the microcosm of sports and being an analogy for life, you know, how do you go for the greater win? Not just the win on the field because the Bucks aren't really bringing that either, let me just say. But uh, you know, how do you go for the bigger win in life and that's that's something bigger to take on so there you go and in football uh, I wanted to talk about some other sad news from Seattle Washington Huskies were stomped by Stanford (laughs) oh my goodness and but get this Um, this is their first loss in the Pac-12 their first Pac-12 football game defeat yeah but they still rise to the top of the Pac-12 North. Now, now here's the interesting twists and turns uh, with COVID and when we're playing and when we're not. They're canceling the game with Oregon due to COVID running amok in the, in the Husky program, so to speak. Husky Stadium might be quiet today. Washington, because of the COVID situation, Nick, they may not be able to play the game. But the talk, the Washington Huskies have paused their football program as of right now. About the football team and their future is in the air. It's a tough year. It's a different year. Would Washington potentially do this on purpose not to play the game so they can just capture the North and then go on to play in the championship? Today, the UW paused all team-related activities due to an increase in positive COVID-19 tests. No practice. And the status of Saturday's game at Oregon now in question which could throw the rest of UW season in flux too. They can't control the players' everyday life. You see, if UW was to cancel, in theory, it would win the Pac-12 North title by default, qualifying for the championship a week later. Yet Seattle King County Public Health is recommending a 14-day quarantine for any infected players, which could lead to a lack of Huskies to play the game a week later. And the Pac-12, based on a previous conference mandate, could also exclude UW from the championship if the average number of conference games is four or below. A purple and gold doomsday scenario to end a football season. They want to play. I mean, you would think they would want to play. A season like no other. Why wouldn't they cancel the Oregon game, though? Get this. They're at the top of the Pac-12 North. Uh, They have a better record than Oregon. If they lost to Oregon, they could lose that top placement. And if they just don't play at all, they keep it and they don't have to take that risk. But Jimmy Lake doesn't seem like the kind of coach who would care about such things. So let's weigh in a bit. No, I don't think he played the game that way. I think this just shows, it gets back to the point, they're classifying all these games as no contest. I said a few weeks ago that the way to change all this is you should have just made it for you should have just made it forfeits. All of college football, when games aren't played, should be a forfeit. And who is ever responsible for not making their players available, take the forfeit. Let's and if you if you do that though, you'd have to have the decision, I think, made by an independent body, because otherwise the pressure would go the other way where you might be tempted to hide positives in your program oh, yeah, or right. whatever oh yeah to, i mean to, to, i'm to actually i'm actually call, i'm actually calling for the conferences larry scott and the ncaa <laughs> to actually do their job now i know that's an amazing concept <laughs> good luck with that but you know but you know that's <laughs> what they get paid to do yeah. <laughs> yeah i think i think it's it it is a very interesting little issue they have here because you're right. If the if the season had ended after this last weekend, the Huskies have a well, they have a half game lead over Oregon for the division, which then would put them in the Pac-12 title game against well USC or USC Colorado. or Colorado. Yes, mm-hmm. right. So, but here's here's the thing. Right now, too, is that with what's going on in the Husky program, they probably wouldn't even be able to play that game next week. There's a there's a real doubt okay. about whether or not they would even be able to do that. Um, so it, it does make it tough to figure out for the PAC 12, as far as the decision, I I'm kind of thinking they should just say, Oregon, do it. And Huskies find a way sometime in the next month to play the apple cup. I think this year that actually would probably be more meaningful. Um, you know, you, you contrast it to what happened in the big 10 that we talked about last week. Um, 
with Ohio State and Michigan. And I, I will uh, stand on a little proud moment here where I predicted Michigan wouldn't play that game. <laughs> I do think it was legitimate, honestly. But as it stood by the way the rules have been set up by the Big Ten heading into the season, Ohio State, even though they were undefeated, would not have qualified to play for the Big Ten title game or likely for the college football playoff, even though they're ranked in the top four. Fortunately, I think, um, and with apologies to my Buckeye wing of my family, uh, I lived in Michigan for 20 years, so I do not really want to see Ohio State in the top four, but I think they made the right decision in allowing Ohio State to move forward because even if somehow Michigan had beaten Ohio State, um, Ohio State would have still won their division and still qualified for the Big Ten title game. So that was kind of like an easy, an easy fix to make. We don't have that in the Pac-12. Now it gets complicated and we've got people running the conference that we don't have any confidence in. So it'll Thank be Thank you once again, Larry Scott. <laughs> Thank you, Larry. Well, <laughs> about, about three weeks ago, if you'll recall, I just threw my hands up and I'm like, uh, none of it means anything just because of the way that this season has been. That's well, the Apple Cup. Play the, the Apple Cup. The Pac-12 yeah, was Cup. against was behind the eight ball when they decided to have only a seven game season and based on the starting time of the season. They were behind the eight ball to begin with. Yep. Once again, Larry Scott, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, do us a favor. And they were the first conference to have the rapid testing available and the and the last one to start with no space for bye weeks, no space for the ability to reschedule. I mean, everything was kind of been seat of the pants for the last month and a half. And it's, it's tough. Yeah. It's really unfair to the kids, really. I mean, it's, it, it is, but at least we're playing. I know uh, we, we so had far, mentioned yeah. in, in our notes, the big 10 eliminating the minimum game, game requirement. You said you had uh, mentioned a uh, uh, rich, you sent a, uh, Duke coach questioning playing basketball during coronavirus at all. I'm just glad that we're playing. I am glad that we're playing, uh, but I will say, let's talk about coach Krzyzewski for a minute. If you were that concerned about not playing the season and concerned about the coronavirus, then you should have pulled out. Duke should be an example. Pull out then. If mm. you're that concerned about your players, mental health, physical health, and you're con and you're concerned about the November 25th start date, which is what the article pointed out that Krzyzewski thought that that was too much of an arbitrary thing. And there wasn't a whole lot of strategic planning in getting this basketball season off to the right start, then pull out, then pull out, then don't be part of the seat. Don't be part of the season. That's what I don't like about this season. I People are not make, willing to make decisions and stick by them or admit they were wrong or admit they were wrong and change their tactics in combating coronavirus. See, got two of those things going on at the same time. Right. It's just very frustrating. I wanted to change directions a little bit, mention a couple other sports. I know hockey. Have you guys been following when the startup is going to be Encyclopedia Rich? Uh, I know they were talking about January. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the uh, potential start date, modified schedule, modified bubble, uh, all yeah, kinds of different little realignment things going on there as we get closer and closer to the beginning of the Kraken. That's that's what I'm excited about. The fact <laughs> that NHL hockey is going to going to get the ball rolling in January means we, we got a few. Uh, hey. <laughs> Hey, get the puck slide. Not, not the playing, they playing with a ball. They playing with the ball this year. That's a COVID thing. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, don't, don't give me a, I, I had a, you know, you know what I have to, you know what I will admit? That was a Larry Scott. That's what I, that's what I, that's what I will admit. That's, that's, that's drop the, let's blame it on Larry. That's great for the blooper reel right there. <laughs> <laughs> anyone Mary, else Mary Scott is a blooper reel <laughs> <laughs> is anyone else hoping to get some Kraken uh, stuff for Christmas I know uh, 
Garrick, you already got the jump on that. You got us all cracking shirts, so that was pretty awesome. Oh yeah, he got the he got the A plus. Got the jump on it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I, anyone else hoping? Or I'm buying crack. Everyone's getting cracking stuff. Everybody. I'm kitted out. I'm oh, kitted I'm out sure. already. I'm good. <laughs> You're good. I bet. I bet. And um, I have a sweatshirt. I have a t-shirt, and I have a, a pullover. So, I've dude, I even have the hockey stick. You know, for the uh, season ticket holders. Wow. Yeah. Yes, I, I'm, oops, you can't see it. But, oh well, that was my. Like, that's your MLM that was, shirt. That was awkward. Oh, oh there you go. Yeah. <laughs> there yeah. you go. There you go. Hey, and Brent, uh, you sent a, a story this morning about baseball and talking about some of the team eliminations uh, from um, major league baseball clubs. Let's talk about that real briefly. So, so yeah, so it's kind of been bubbling around for about a year um, that <laughs> – well, the agreement between Major League Baseball and the approximately 160 minor league baseball teams um, came to an, is coming to an end at the end of yeah. 2020. And so Major League Baseball has decided they want to fundamentally restructure the relationship with the minor league clubs. And some uh -oh. of the stuff is some of the stuff is positive because uh, they do want to upgrade facilities and upgrade some of the things that are available to minor league players, which I mean, a lot of them throughout their minor league careers truly live in poverty. However, they um, this hasn't really been a negotiation. This has been something issued by Major League Baseball that they told the minor league teams what they were going to do. And part of that was eliminating a quarter of the minor league teams that exist from their formal formal relationships with the major league clubs. It's like the Seattle Mariners have a minor league triple-A club, minor league double-A club, a, a couple of single-A's and rookie league. So it's the minor league clubs are all associated with individual teams. Well, 40 of those no longer will have that relationship. And the others that um, are among the chosen 120 um, may or may not choose to move forward in this agreement because, um, well, if you're a minor league owner, you may not have a lot of money. And if you're told by major league baseball that you have to spend $10 million to upgrade your facility and you don't yeah. have that money after COVID, you may not do it. Yeah. Minor league um, owners depend a lot on those monies mm -hmm. from major league clubs. So yeah. that's, a, that's kind of a big story. And, so it's going to be interesting because obviously you have um, a contraction where there will be fewer positions for minor league players available out there. Major League Baseball says they're going to encourage some of the independent leagues that have been out there to take on some of the clubs that they have cut. Um, but it's going to be, um, I mean, all this started rolling before all of the COVID responses came into play, but it's just going to be kind of enhanced by that. The yeah. good news for Seattle area baseball fans is that um, the Everett Aqua Sox, who have been a short season lower a league level team will um, they basically got bumped up a level. So they're going to be a full season upper a level. They'll get the top prospects. They'll have 130 games instead of like 70. Um, so assuming that things move forward with them, it'll be, it'll be kind of cool for, for our fans in Everett. But, oh, uh, I, I went to, to I have gone to so many Aqua Sox games uh, in, you know, younger years. And, oh, man, that's, that is good news. It's frustrating, though, because, you know, we don't want to lose out on some of the sports. And that's some of the, the lower level sports are the things that everyday people have access to. This whole world exactly. has been turned upside down. I have one more news story that I wanted to share with you guys in the form of a soundbite uh, talking about the Summer Olympics. And, and how the postponing has negatively affected the athletes. This is from King 5 News in it's Seattle. It's the international camaraderie of the now postponed 2020 Summer Olympic Games. Without realizing the personal and financial toll this is taking on the athletes and their corporate backers. Many Olympic hopefuls put their lives on hold, postponing school and career moves in order to dedicate themselves to training for the Games. With the Summer Olympics pushed back a year, many face the challenge of deciding whether they want or are able to continue their rigorous schedules. 
While sheltering in place to limit the spread of COVID-19, some athletes are unable to train in their particular sport. Paralympic swimmer Jessica Long told Bustle, quote, if you miss a day swimming, it takes a day and a half to get back into it. And now she faces the uncertainty of when she will be able to swim again. Corporate sponsorships cover the living and training costs of many Olympic hopefuls, but some athletes financially depend on competition prize money. Four-time Olympian, now certified financial planner Lauren Williams told CNBC, seasons have been canceled for most sports. That's prize money that can't be earned, funds no one can count on. If you're not sponsored, you desperately need that money. So, you know, we're not talking about the Tom Brady's here that we did earlier. We're talking about everyday people and they rely on this is this is their job and their sport is their life. So it's a tough time. And so as we gear up for our final shot, uh, I, I just wanted to take a moment and think about uh, the people you mentioned, Brent, that uh, may be taking even more of a financial hit uh, as these changes with Major League Baseball take place, the the folks who aren't getting the sponsors, the changes for the Olympics. It's a deeper story. It's And people are really suffering out there. Uh, uh, I would say a healthy society financially is one that is flourishing with sports and arts and all of those are taking a hit. Anyone want to weigh in before we take our final shot definitely and i'll make this my final shot michelle if you really want to help athletes out there like in the story that michelle just played for us on the air donate to teamusa.org during okay. this christmas all right i like it yeah, so think, go ahead so also i know if you if you follow specific athletes there's a there's a, a guy that um that i covered in his high school days back in Michigan that is now part of the Samoan uh, track team throws discus. And so every four years, uh, you know, I buy a t-shirt from him and stuff that like support his expenses individually. So if there's a sports you're invested in or whatever, I'm sure that a lot of these athletes, especially in the, the sports that aren't big financial cash cows are, you know, have their individual fundraisers and those are things to look out for too. And then, you know, that your money's going to that person. That's pretty cool. Garrick, you impress me. If you are listening to the podcast, you can also watch the podcast. Uh, and he has backgrounds for Zoom. Like I have hats and shoes. I mean, it's just really impressive. <laughs> I think I he like needs that. to share his backgrounds with us. I think that's what he needs okay. to do here. He's kind of making us look bad. Don't I know. Yeah. That's all right. We, you can I'm make me look bad at any time. Every week. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, it's time for our final shot. All right, our final shot. Rich, you said that was your final shot. You got one more for me? Uh, I got it. I got one more for you. Uh, let's take our hats off to the US, to the U, UW women's basketball team. Three and one so far this season. Has been a long time since they've had a winning record over the past few years. They've been growing as a program. Uh, Coach Jody Wynn has been doing a good job. A lot of cases, not a lot of players to come off the bench and and make a competitive effort. But so far, they're three and one on the season. They take on the Washington State Cougars this afternoon in the cross-state rivalry. So there is an apple cup just on the basketball court. Oh, there you go. There you go. Brent Baker, all by the way, author of a book that will be coming out in February. Still breaking yesterday, sci-fi at its coolest. What say you? Final shot. <clears throat> um, this is not really a tough one, but I'm going to give it to Brian Schmetzer. Like I said, oh, you took mine. It, I, I <laughs> took, yeah, well, and we've already talked about him, but that's okay. You, you got to go first last week. So <laughs> no, I just, you know, we talk about coaching moves and, you know, we talked about what the Jets did and how, you know, that got their defensive coordinator fired. But man, Brian Schmetzer the other night, I mean, his, moves all of them paid off and paid off huge um so it's pretty rare that you can look back and look at all your moves say they all worked just the way they best case scenario would have you know under the best case scenario 
And even he's up there saying, you know, I really don't know how we did that. Well, guess what, Brian? You had a lot to do with that. <laughs> yeah, you did, you did, you did. Garrick Payne. And I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and just add to that um, because I, I, I see him kind of like a ship's captain, all right? And, and 2020 for everybody has been like this big storm. And he, Schmetz has just been kind of this steady, um, steady hand behind the wheel. Uh, and I, I just have these images of like this storm raging all around and he's just been steady at the helm and he has stayed cool. He is, uh, he's not overreacted. Um, and, and Brian is a, he's a pretty intense and emotional coach as well. I've actually been in the locker room with the team at halftime when it's not, when it's not been going well. And, um, and he certainly uh, lets them have it when they need to, but he, uh, he has just been a steady force and, and uh, clearly coach of the year. And um, hopefully we'll, we'll get the cup as well. Yeah. Guys, how, how do you think it's going to play out? You know, it's, sometimes it's scary because you can see the Sounders just come together. And then the next week you're going, what, team is this you think we're going to bring it oh yeah, yeah. i mean sounders. we know it we want it do one sounders going we want away it. we want it i'm so excited we'll be we'll be probably uh messaging each other during during the the cup tomorrow i uh, you know what Got the ribs thawing already so yeah there you go so what more <laughs> can i can i say in my final shot i echo uh, with you guys our seattle sounders have continued to bring it through the years i mean thank you guys for this really fun ride 2020 has been challenging for all of us and man i will never forget the squeeze oh i forgot final shot to me is to the officers that came to my place uh the <laughs> On Monday, we I was screaming so loud that my my neighbors thought someone was injured. So yeah, so I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, and, so and the officers actually came to uh, check on you. Yeah, they were just yeah they. The, I talked to my neighbors and they said, "I'm sorry, we didn't know what was going on." I was like, "What what were you guys doing? Were you not watching the Sounders? What's wrong with you people? What kind of people do I live next to?" And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so oh, there you go my. guys go sounders seattle sounders. sounders that's right happy rave green friday guys thanks for hanging Amen. out with us thanks All for right. being with us as we take on sports today and we're going to end the way we started with a little celebration of the sounders For more fun, go to MyMichelleLive.com.